Welcome to the Mothers You Know podcast. Thank you for being here. This is a place where we as women remember the spirit God gave us. We know how much we matter and we believe all things are possible to them that believe on this Savior Jesus Christ. Here at Mothers You Know, we support the parents of young men in the Sons of Healman and young women in the Daughters of Light programs at Life Changing Services. These programs provide therapeutic and mentoring services for youth struggling with depression, anxiety, self-harm, pornography, and any other unwanted or difficult behaviors. We offer parent support, training, and resources for mothers and fathers seeking the best way to support their loved one. Any mother is welcome to join in the Mothers Who Know classes support and training. You do not need to have a child in life-changing services to join in. We hope you'll join us. I am Karen Broadhead. I serve as the director of Mothers You Know, and I serve as the parent support specialist at life-changing services. I invite you to join with me and other mothers from across the country in our Warrior Mothers Who Know online support and training group. If you have a child struggling with pornography, depression, anxiety, or other difficult behaviors, you will find a safe and uplifting place to learn from other moms and learn principles and strategies to best support your loved one. Please go to motherswhoknow.org to find the online meeting details. We talk about difficult things here with the intent to shine light in dark corners and to eliminate isolation and shame. We are mothers with warrior hearts who are raising the warriors of this generation. We know we must learn to fight well for ourselves first, then we can confidently support and cheer on our loved ones in the best ways. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. We've got some neat guests today in the Like Dragons Did They Fight podcast. I'm Karen Broadhead, your host, and today I'm here with two really inspired, neat people who are willing to say, yeah, join me up. I'm in the Army. Let's do this. And I'm sure they have a story behind why, and I'm excited for you to hear that. I'm actually excited to hear it, too. I'm excited to, to get to know them with you. Here at Life Changing Services, we have lots of different programs. I'm sure you've probably noticed that if you're familiar with this podcast, because we highlight a lot of those programs and a lot of the people who've participated in those programs, as well as the Eternal Warrior principles that we all just really love so much here and that weave throughout all of the different programs here at Life Changing Services. Well, tonight, if you are a mother or a father, and you're listening to this and you hear what's going on and what the programs are that we're going to talk about tonight, you're going to be like, what the? Shut the front door. I did not know that there was such a thing. I'm so glad to know that because I I have a son. I have a daughter. I have a, a nephew. I have a niece. I just have a neighbor. Like, this is so good to know. So if you're connected with us and you've already built a trust with us, this is really going to be fun. In fact, when Dallin and Morgan and I were putting this together, I was thinking, this is so awesome. I really have wanted this to have more light on it. So this is so great. So we're going to talk tonight about the Sons of Messiah program and the Sisters of Promise program. And both of these programs are for currently serving 
missionaries. And so I'm here with Dallin Loosely, who is directing and facilitating that Sons of Mosiah program, and Morgan Ellsworth, who is directing and facilitating the Sisters of Promise program. And so I'm just going to let them introduce themselves and tell just a little bit about what that program is. And then, yeah, we'll get deeper into it. So can I start with you, Dal? Sure thing. Thanks for having me, Karen. I'm really excited about this. Get the word out about Sons of Mosiah. It's been, it's been a joy to be part of something like this. I came across life-changing services because like most people, I had a problem with sexual self-mastery and needed help. And I got the help through Sons of Helaman and kind of as I was transitioning into adulthood through Men and Moroni. And, and once I kind of got my feet under me, I became a personal warrior trainer and went through the mentor training. And so now I, I do personal warrior training and I also lead a, a Men and Moroni mentor-led group on Thursday nights. And I'm near the end of my bachelor's degree in psychology, and then I'll get a master's degree in professional counseling and become a clinician, hopefully one day. And then I'm, I'm doing Sons of Mosiah now. This is my newest stewardship and it's really exciting and I love it. And it's, it's a blessing to get to work with these stalwart elders. So I've edited a little bit about it. It's, it's, it's an email group primarily for elders who are serving in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So I email with them at least once a week. Often it's more than that. And we cover their, their daily goals. We talk about their passion projects. We do lost battle analyses. We use many of the same principles that are found in other programs, but it's in a specifically tailored way to meet the needs of a, a missionary schedule so that they can kind of get the, the greatest bang for their buck while also serving the Lord. Yeah, so great. Thanks, Dallin. Yeah. And Morgan, you listeners need to know, Morgan has the, uh, she has the cutest baby on her lap. And so if, if you hear something cute, that's all that is. So yes, hopefully he'll be quiet while we're talking. But if you hear some little baby cues, it's coming from him. So good. So I kind of came across life changing services at a time in my life when I didn't, I wasn't struggling with addiction or self mastery necessarily, but my family was going through a really, really difficult time. And we stumbled across life changing services and started the programs together as a family. So I first went through the Girl Power program when I was 16. And actually, Karen, you were my mentor. So that was really fun to reconnect after six or seven years. And so those principles really helped me and shaped kind of who I was as I finished up my teenage years. And I served a mission. I served in Jacksonville, Florida. And the principles that I learned kind of carried me through my mission and were super helpful. This was kind of being a disciple of the savior and also and who I am and the choices that I made and kind of the focus that my life has taken since I learned about these important principles. So when I got home from my mission, I went to BYU where I studied family studies with a minor in psychology and I met my husband and got married and we just recently had our first little boy, which is really fun. And so I about a year ago I kind of reconnected with life changing services and I took the Eternal Warriors group again, and then I did the mentor training. And since the last three or four months, I've been working as a personal warrior trainer, specifically with the Daughters of Light program. So it's been fun to get my toes back into life-changing services and 
when I heard about this opportunity to kind of start the, a sister missionary program, I was all for it. I was like, this is my knit. I love missionaries. I love the missionary program. And I am just super passionate about helping young adults and missionaries be successful. And so I think Sisters of Promise is the sister program to Sons of Mosiah. So it's very similar. Dallin and I have actually coordinated a lot as I have been kind of spearheading the Sisters of Promise program. So it's very similar. So there's weekly emails with the sister missionaries to give them support and the tools that they need to fight whatever it is that the sister missionaries might be dealing with. I feel like as women, we kind of battle with different things than men. Sometimes it's very similar and there's a lot of overlap. If there is a sexual addiction, pornography, masturbation, or something like that, or if it's even more general, mental health concern, anxiety, depression, whatever it is that your sister missionary might be struggling with, this program is designed to just help give them the support that they need. So I'm really excited just to kind of get started and see this program grow and help a lot more sister missionaries. Mm, so good. And, you know, one of the things that I've, you know, I appreciate so much knowing the things that I've learned here at Life Changing Services and how it's helped me personally and helped my family members is just this awareness that, you know, I knew we were in kind of a, you know, like a war with the adversary. I knew that Jesus Christ was was our savior and champion. I just didn't really know how to speak the whole champion thing until I realized how intense and personal the war was and that this psychological warfare that was going on that was kind of unseen in my life is what was highlighted to me when I started learning these eternal warrior principles was like, wow, I have all this truth in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now I understand better how to really apply that truth to my human experience, right? And have a lot more understanding for myself and for other people that I love. And so just in bringing that up. Yeah, it's just really neat to notice with our journeys and how they all unfold. I was wondering, just Morgan, you just mentioned that you got married, that you started in school and you went to family studies and psychology, right? But you probably, it sounded like you didn't quite finish your schooling yet. Is that true? I did. I actually graduated almost a year ago. Okay. So you graduated. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So good. But thanks so much for your vulnerability, both of you, for the, you know, Morgan, you mentioning, yeah, my family was in a super hard place and we bumped into life-changing services and learning those things helped us. And then Dallin, yeah, your vulnerability and just saying right out loud, you know what? I, I've struggled and I get the struggle and that's exactly what I am addressing in this Sons of Mosaic group. How cool has that been for you to just, you know, not be in the place of, boy, I'm really working to get to a place of recovery. Now you're working to help other people along ahead of them just a little bit on the path. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, just to add to that, Karen, there have been some very difficult times in my, in my journey and my path. 
and some very sincere and perhaps borderline disrespectful prayers to Heavenly Father were somewhere along the lines of, why am I not better yet? Why have you not healed me? And I look back on those memories now fondly because they have served me so deeply in, in this work, because now I can look, look another man in the eyes and tell him, I know what it feels like to be at the end of your rope and feel like you've run out of options and you've done everything you can and you're still not better. I know what that feels like. And, and I've had numerous occasions where Heavenly Father was like, I gave you these experiences for a very specific purpose. And it, it, and please do not waste it. I need you to use what you know and what you've learned and, and what you've learned the hard way to help other people get through it. So it's been a, it's been a joy that has come at, at great cost, but a cost that I would not change. Mm. You saying, I need you to go through it like this, things that you've learned the hard way, right? I just thought. How can you really help everybody in their hard, right? Unless you've felt the real hard way, like really understand where they are in their heart. And I'm not saying that's just like Jesus, but I am saying that is a type of Christ, right? Like, how will I descend low enough to understand this deeply enough to come under that and lift that up and say, I get that place, right? How, how will I be able to do that for somebody else if, and yeah, I don't know you really well, Dylan, but I can tell you that I've already had a witness of just the kind of man you are the first time I met you. And I just have thought, you know, that's pretty amazing that, that the Savior allows us to, to notice, you know, that the, some of the things we have to go through are just so hard. To the point where we're like, seriously, this is beyond what I can handle. And then for him to sucker us and help us and then even teach us through it to say, guess what? This is leading somewhere. I need you. And your experience has taken you to a place where now I need you to be a, a type of Christ. But you couldn't have actually done that without doing it that way. And you couldn't have got to know me so well so that you can do it like that. Wow. I just love these things. I love it. Just feel so grateful. I love being here at Life Changing Services, if you people can't tell. I love it. Because I just think the kind of people that I get to associate with are just phenomenal. And they're the most pure-hearted, strong, authentic people who really do understand the Savior and his atonement, but they also understand the battle and they have a fierceness about them that's like, I guess I'm not backing down then. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, so, okay, we need to hear more about these things. I know the Sons of Messiah program is, has been going for several years. I think we started running that like over a decade ago. What do you think, Dallin? Yeah, I I'm not exactly sure, but I think I am the third program coordinator yeah. for Sons of Mosiah. And I just wanted to say that I think what you, what you said about dealing with pure hearted and, and the noble and great ones, I think Morgan can attest to this as well, that I, 
that that is largely why we have why these two programs specifically exist because missionaries in particular are in a position of immense spiritual power they have a stewardship and a calling that allows them to reach people in ways that we can't and as civilians and as non full-time missionaries and i think that the adversary is just as aware of that fact as we are even perhaps even more so and that they are just as under attack if not more so than than just your everyday latter-day saint and so these programs have been designed specifically to help them deal with that onslaught and whether it be sexual self-mastery or a host of other different mental health ailments, they are definitely under attack because they are in a position to do so much good. They have so much potential for good in this world. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what these two programs are all about is, is, is giving them the tools to do that good. So awesome. Morgan, could you tell us a little bit about when you were on your mission, what are some of the things that you can point to for us that are like, yeah, totally. We were endowed with some power, but the adversary was very aware of what we were doing. And this is why now that I'm here, I can see how that would have helped me. Yeah. I was actually just thinking on Dallin's last comment as well, that missionaries are in a very special place that a lot of times, those of us who are not currently serving missions, sometimes we put missionaries on a pedestal and we think missionaries are perfect. And when I was a missionary, I was like, man, missionaries are not perfect. Something that I've learned is that we missionaries and non-missionaries, we are just real people and we have real struggles and the battle looks the same, whether you're a missionary or whether you're not a missionary. Mm -hmm. And when I was on my mission, I actually struggled a lot. That was one of the hardest times of my life where it was my first time away from my family. And I, you know, I'm in this process of kind of discovering myself and who I am and where I stand along with I have this huge kind of burden on my shoulders to preach the gospel and to be diligent and consecrated and obedient and all the things that a missionary experiences and along the way I fell back on the principles that I learned in the girl power program years before I reconnected with my identity when I on my mission when I started to feel myself kind of changing and growing and going through kind of the refiner's fire, I fell back to, okay, I remember that I'm a daughter of God. I know who the adversary is. I know what his tactics are, and I'm going to anchor myself with Christ. And looking back now that I'm a few years away from my mission, I'm so grateful that I had those principles to help me during that journey of self-discovery. And I think for other sister missionaries who are currently struggling, whether it be, you know, an identity crisis, like I experienced kind of over and over again on my mission, or whether it is one of these other self-mastery or addictive behaviors that you're struggling with, this program can be a valuable resource for you. It's something that I wish I had when I was on my mission. Somebody that I could connect with kind of on the outside world each week that has been there that knows what it's like to be a missionary, but also can give me the support and the validation and the accountability to really stay true to who I am. So I think that having the Sisters of Promise program is really going to help sister missionaries. And again, it's just something that I really wish I would have had when I was a missionary. Mm. 
That's so awesome. Dallin, what have you noticed in working with the elders that you work with that is second witness to what she just said? First off, before I, before I answer that question, I want to point out that I think Morgan is exceptional, <laughs> is the correct word, that she, you know, underwent this training as a youth and then went on a mission and without external support, went back to those principles that she learned and, and was able to to be successful with us. I think that is an exceptional thing and, and perhaps not the norm. I, I graduated from different life-changing services programs three different times. I had I graduated and then I would leave and be like, I'm totally fine. I'll just do my manpower on my own. And, and then I would lose a battle like a year later and be like, I gotta, I gotta get back into it. So then I'd get back in and leave and the same thing would happen. And so finally, the last time I was like, what, why do I keep leaving the, I think that I can leave the battlefront but I don't, you know, like the, I'm still under attack. I got to stay here with my brother. So the last time I just decided to, to invest in, and I, <laughs> I'm glad that you ended Morgan with the, the concept that you wish you still had that so support, because I've noticed that even some of my guys that I work with as, as a personal warrior trainer, they'll go out as a general on the mission and the mission hits hard mm. and it's, it's a combination of, you know, long days and tons of rejection and, and having to be obedient, but also like Morgan said, it's for many guys it's, and for young women, it's, it's a period of life where they are first leaving the nest. They're getting away from mom and dad. They're being self-reliant. They're cooking their own meals. They're cleaning their own apartment. And so you combine those two things of, of your first steps into adulthood and, and also an immense difficult <laughs> occupation filled with rejection. And that is a, that is a difficult thing to stomach. And so many guys fall back into their old coping mechanisms, right? It's, it's difficult to go back to the principles that you learn versus the habits that you had once formed. So I think just that Sons of Mosiah is not just for the person who is struggling, but also for the person who wants to stay on top of their, their problems and their missions and, and who wants to be prepared and wants to be empowered through the, the trials that a mission entails. And to answer your question, Karen, I have seen just a variety of problems from my guys. And I thought it was going to be primarily sexual self-mastery problems, but I really have seen depression and anxiety and all sorts of different mental illness and, and to watch them interact with, with each other and to also watch them interact or just get to interact with them on a weekly basis and, and connect with them and answer their questions and have them find their own insights has just been really inspiring and awesome to see their progress and, and see them go back to work and find the zeal for the work again. Has it's been that's possibly my favorite part is when they they start to love missionary work again because they because they get back into it. They because they are are not distracted by their whatever their trial was before. Yeah. By the lost battle, whatever it was. Yeah. And can I just say just because I'm you know, I direct a program at Life Changing Services. So when my human stuff comes out on a daily basis, right, I think, what am I doing here? Right? How come this, how come I'm doing this? You like, you know, you kind of think, Heavenly Father, are you sure you want me to do this? Right? Maybe I should pass the baton on or something because I'm still just a hot mess. And that's how I started a long time ago. And so it's really, you know, for me, a 56-year-old woman, I'm thinking, well, I have the maturity to know, well, 
it's kind of the human thing. I'm just going to keep going. And I have all these principles that really help me to live the gospel of Jesus Christ in an unmerciful way, like trying to be like Jesus, right? With myself. But boy, if I'm just coming into this place where I don't really know who I am yet, I'm just figuring it out. And the dream that I've been maybe had all by myself, or even maybe my family and everybody said, that's what we do. That's the dream. We get on a mission, right? And then I get there on a mission. I've got the call. It's the thing I do. And then if your experiences are like me, if you're a parent listening to this episode, one of my sons, boy, well, all of my sons had to work very hard to get on a mission. But, you know, one of them, I just thought, you know, connected to trying to master sexual self-mastery so he could get to a place to get on a mission. As a mother, I thought that might kill me watching that. I just thought, I don't know if I can handle this any longer, right? It took him so much effort just from 16 years old to then get to 19 years old. And now we're at the window. And that was like, you know, about 15 years ago. Now, and now we're at the window and we're still working on it. We're still working on it. We're still working on it. And then, then he gets his call and has a date. And then it's pushed back. We got to push it back. We got to wait. We're going to wait some more months. And, and then working it, just watching that. And if you're a parent, you totally understand, well, that's not my battle. But boy, do I just want to get in that. And boy, do I just want to help that. How can I help that be successful, right? But you get to a point where you learn, wow, this is, I have no power over this. So watching it and then it being kind of a parent's dream too, we could get locked into that. Like, well, if they don't go, I'll just be completely devastated. And so will grandma and grandpa, right? You just have this thing. You have this culture here, right? And so, uh, so he gets to a place where he can go again. And he's got the okay from all the authority he needs to say, you're good to go. And he says, my son says, I'm not ready to go yet. I need some more months. And I thought I was going to just, I didn't know what to do at that point. I was like, seriously, they said you could go. Why aren't you saying you can't go? And he's like, I'm winning all my battles, but there's some things that there's some people I need to talk to. There's some stuff I need. I really want to take care of some other things. And I was like, I thought I was going to die thinking about that. Like, how do I maintain my, okay, sounds good. I just totally respect that. Because what I wanted more than anything was get him out in the field. Because that's going to help him, right? To just keep moving forward. But I don't think that parents understand at all the pressure and the difficulty and the burden that lands on them when they get there. And yeah, they probably have a lot more to do. So anyway, I just remember thinking, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man, right? Are we not going to do that? I don't, I don't know if we're going to do this. And so the son that came after that son, he had a much more calm mother. I, I figured there's some really good things out, but 
yeah, that son, I thought maybe I might, I don't know. I just, you, if you're a parent and you're like, yeah, I get it, Karen. You don't have to explain it. It's hard to explain. It's just really hard, but I get it. Because you just want them to get to that place because you don't want them to have a fail in their life, right? And you also, you want them to get there because you, you think it's going to be a fail or they're going to think it's a fail, right? But when you learn so much more, you realize, well, it's really not a fail. It's kind of called life. And life gets really lifey, right? And so that's just what we do here. And so to settle down, but I can't imagine just going back to that program director thought, what am I doing here? If I get out on a mission and I worked super hard to get there by becoming clean enough, worthy enough to get the call and head out, and then I start behaving in the very way that kept me from going on a mission. Oh, man. But yet I've been called to serve, right? Should I? Do I? Should I really be here? Like, there's such a battle there. Yeah, what would you speak to that? Anything you have to say, you guys? I have a thought. Something I think is so valuable about not only Sons of Mosiah and Sisters of Promise, but all of the programs within Life Changing Services is that the programs focus on grace and mercy. I think about when I was growing up and I was trying to learn about repentance, I was always so confused. Like I knew, I understood that I needed to repent, but I didn't actually know like what that looks like in the day-to-day battle of life. And so what I think is really valuable is that Whatever program you're involved in, whether it's Helaman or Daughters of Light or these new missionary programs, it's kind of the boots on the ground for repentance and for change and for giving you that support that you need. Like you said, when you get to this point where you're like, okay, I've done the work before my mission and I repented and I'm worthy, but that doesn't just go away when you become a missionary. You still have to be in the fight every single day. And so that's what I think is really valuable about Sons of Mosiah and Sisters of Promise is that it gives you that continual boots on the ground support that you need while you're in the mission field. I think the mission field is still very much a battlefield and it's probably even more intense than it was before your mission because now you have additional responsibility and additional guidance and direction from Heavenly Father that Satan hates. (laughs) I think Satan hates missionaries and he's going to put pull out all the stops to get them to fall back into their old ways. And so that's what I think is really valuable is that when the missionary gets out there, it doesn't have to be a place of isolation. You don't have to do it on your own. We are here to support you. Whatever that looks like and whatever help and guidance and accountability you need, that's kind of where Dallin and I's role come in with these programs is that we are going to help you stay accountable and stay clean and worthy and give you whatever support you need during your struggles and the hardships of the mission. So I just think that these programs offer a lot of grace that we understand and recognize where you are and the savior does as well. And we're going to help you connect with him and just continue to grow and change and whatever that looks like for you. Kind of sounds like you're being like the, you know, the war between remembering and forgetting, right? It's like, Remember, you're living exactly what you're teaching, right? Like you, this is the plan of salvation. It's about repentance. 
and turning, you know, turning again, turning again. And so, yeah. What kind of permission? Like, is this allowed on a mission? Like, what can you speak to, Della? I know you're, you have probably a little more experience with, you know, have you had to talk to a mission president about it? Have you had to help bishops and state presidents understand, hey, this, this is going to be really helpful. I know we have a lot of ecclesiastical leaders that are connected to our programs already and helping along with us, getting an elder maybe ready to go or a sister ready to go on their mission. But yeah, well, what does that look like? Like, because I know missions are really pretty structured and locked down. Like how, how is a mission president okay with this? What's this? Is This is something completely different than the mission. Like, how do you work all of that? It's a great question, Karen. Kind of going along with this conversation, what Morgan said earlier about as a church, we tend to put elders kind of on a pedestal or maybe in a bubble, and sisters as well, missionaries in general. And I think as a as a church and as a as a culture, we're starting to shift away from that. I think maybe the the weekly interactions with parents and families helping to do that, but also just in general, I think mission presidents are coming around to the fact that they're that their elders and sisters are human and. And something that Marie says on a regular basis is that what qualifies us for the work is the fact that we are inadequate. That is what qualifies us for the work. And I was having a discussion similar to this about feeling inadequate as a program coordinator. I'm sure as, as many missionaries feel inadequate with my, when, with my very wise grandmother. And she had the insight that the reason inadequacy qualifies us for the Lord's work is because it makes us humble. And when we are humble, we search for God's input as we do his work. We search for his hand to empower and, and magnify our efforts. And that's what qualifies us for that work. And so missionaries are no different, that, that they need to be inadequate and imperfect to truly reach the people that they teach, because they need to have testimonies of the atonement of Jesus Christ, not testimonies from five years ago when they, you know, made some sort of mistake in high school and now they're talking about it on their mission, but they need real everyday daily repentance stories to, to truly connect with the people they're teaching. So to answer your question, most mission presidents that I have interacted with are overjoyed that there's any sort of resource for, for elders and especially one that takes so little time. That seems to be the primary concern that I've run into with mission presidents is how much time is this going to take away? from my elders work because I, I really do want him engrossed in the work. And if you look closely at manpower goals, if you're, if your listeners are familiar with manpower goals, but missionaries should be doing manpower goals plus every day, right? <laughs> they should be checking those boxes with ease if they are obeying mission standards and with a few added adaptations, like maybe some accountability and, uh, you know, Maybe it's not so structured that they're serving their companion every day, but I'm sure that they're doing some form of service every day if they're being obedient, right? So most of the the program doesn't take away time from the mission. And in fact, there's a lot of overlap with what a missionary does every day. It just structures it a little bit differently. And then it gives them provided, it gives them additional support with, with coaching on, you know, their, their failures and their successes. And so they're, 
there does need to be permission from the mission president for them to participate in the group and, and further permission if they want to do like a, like a 30 minute zoom call with myself or with Morgan that needs to be approved. But once they're approved, they just do it on their P day and they it's their emails and it works like a charm. So the mission president knows about all of it. Yeah. They're from my experience, they're not super involved on like a weekly basis, but they do need to be aware of it. We require that because we don't want to be going behind mission presence backs. And, but most of the elders that I work with are in at least weekly, if not daily communication with their mission president about their battles. You know, they are, they are discussing how things are going very frequently, but the mission president, the typically the stances, I want to keep them out here as best I can, you know, it's rough to go home early. Yeah. So let's keep him out here and get the tools he needs to fight while he's out. Yeah. And so the mission president, this isn't a program where you could like, you know, just say, yeah, it's just something I worked on before my mission. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to stay connected to it. It's just an email thing. Will that be okay? It's like, they're very, you're very transparent as well as the missionary about, well, yeah, this is the last battles that, that I've, I've dealt with. This is what I'm working on. This is what I'm trying to win. And this is how far I've come. And it's super awesome what I've done. I just don't want to slip, you know, it's one of, yeah. Yeah. And I think that conversation will come about much more organically now that I think many church leaders are not asking the question of, do you have any sort of problem with pornography or masturbation? And more often now asking the question of what is your relationship with pornography and masturbation? You know, what, what has been your experience with those two things? Because the day and age we live in, it is impossible not to have some form of a relationship with it. Yeah. That, I'm not saying that that every person has an addiction, but some sort of contact with those things and it needs to be brought up. And I think many church leaders are, are following that and then having conversations with it. And, and if you're a general from Sons of Helaman, you know that, that that guy is proud to talk about the work that he's put in and the fight that he's doing day in and day out and, and his daily goals and his border patrol. You know, he's excited to talk about that. So blending into Sons of Mosiah, which by the way, is free for generals of Sons of Helaman. Or if you're a Sons of Helaman current client and you're close to graduation and you end up leaving on your mission, your numbers do transfer to Sons of Mosiah. So that's, and I'm guessing they do something similar for Daughters of Light. But uh, yeah, so, so it works, it works well for guys who are transitioning from programs and also for guys who have never done anything with life-changing services. We can work with you as well if, if you're just struggling and, and haven't heard of any of our resources before. Sons of Mosiah still works for you and same with Sisters of Promise. So have you had missionaries referred into your services from the mission that weren't involved in life-changing services, you guys? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. That's one that I, I had one thought about that as well. I am currently working with a sister missionary who was not involved with Daughters of Light or life-changing services at all before her mission. And so to kind of compensate, because there are a lot of 
language that we use in the emails and like understanding a lost battle and just kind of some of the lingo that we use. I had a very descriptive email that I shared with her and her parents and her mission president that kind of gave an overview of the program. And then the sister and I actually had a 30 minute orientation call that was approved by our mission president where we, I was able to answer any of her questions and kind of give her the information that she didn't know because she had, she didn't come from a previous life-changing services program. So there are definitely ways to work around it. If you are not familiar with any of the programs, it still is totally accessible to you as well. Mm-hmm. And she shared with me that her mission president was also really open to it. And he is going to ask her for feedback each week. And he's like, okay, I want this for a resource for my other missionaries. Kind of speaking to a comment that Dallin shared as well with church leaders kind of being more open to, hey, this is, you know, sexual addiction and self-mastery. This is a problem that people experience. I think from my experience with church leaders, bishops and mission presidents and things like that, they're either being open to especially young women who are dealing with this. I think for many years, it's been kind of this stigma that, oh, that's a boy problem and girls don't have that problem. And it is coming to light more and more and more and more people are becoming aware that this is something that everybody deals with. And that is partly why I was so adamant and excited to get the Sisters of Promise program started because sister missionaries deal with things like this just as much as elders. And so I just think it's a really great resource that can be helpful for everybody and that church leaders are being more open to it and acknowledging, hey, sisters deal with this as well. Mm. Yeah, that is awesome. That's so good. I just have to put in a plug right here. We did a six-part series with some of the courageous women from the Warrior Women of Light program on the Mothers Who Know podcast. Just them sharing that, yeah, this is a real thing. And boy, was that ever helpful. Yeah, that was so great. Okay, so you, I would like to go in a little more detail. Like, what is it if I'm the missionary, right? What, what do I do? What do you do, right? Yeah. So what it looks like from a missionary perspective, depending on your circumstances and permissions from the mission president, it might start out with a 30-minute orientation call. And a lot of times, even before that, there's email communication to get it set up and if you're not familiar with the program, just to give you information about it. So we like to connect before we start doing the accountability emails, just to make sure we're all on the same page and really to help you get started with the goals and things you'll be working on. And then on a weekly basis, we will send an email in a group message with the other missionaries in the programs where we ask about 10 questions specifically about accountability with your target behavior. A lot of the questions kind of walk you through a lost battle analysis. So you're able to reflect on, okay, what is, are the patterns that I've been experiencing? How am I reacting? And what can I do going forward? So each week the missionary will respond to that email. And then on their P-Day, Dallin and I will hopefully be available to communicate back and forth any questions that you have, and we'll respond to any concerns that you have throughout the week. And then Again, the next week, we'll send a similar email. So it's this support system that you get accountability, and you're also able to comment and interact with other missionaries in the group. So we ask 
the missionaries to comment and respond to, okay, this is something that this missionary shared. What words of wisdom and support do you have for them? So you get that group feeling, even though you're not actually like meeting with the other missionaries together in a group. So it's really powerful and supportive and it is all mostly on your P day and it shouldn't take longer than, you know, 15 or 20 minutes to respond to the email. So it really is totally doable and it's just a great resource for you to connect on your, on your P day and throughout the week if you need. So P days fall on all different days, probably for missionaries, right? Or is it always on Monday? Like I'm imagining that whenever you enter into the, you know, Sisters of Promise or Sons of Mosiah, whenever you get there, and open that up. Some guys have already come and gone, right? It's not like they're all there at the same time. Okay. Yeah, exactly. They'll they'll respond through throughout the week, uh, and then Morgan and I just send our our big email once a week. And something that I wanted to add was that I try to make an effort every week to either find a, a common theme in the responses of of my elders, or if there's one elder in particular who's struggling, I will take the opportunity to teach a core principle from life-changing services and and talk about my experience with it and, and give specialized advice to this specific elder, excuse my dog, but I will also make a note for, for all, the el- all the other elders to take a look at that principle and see if there's room for them to apply it. For instance, last week, many of the elders were talking about some of their drills and how they didn't feel they were effective, et cetera. And so I took the time to give them my personal recipe and the ingredients that I include in every single one of my drills and shared that with them and asked them to, to take those basic building blocks and make their own version of it, uh, make it their own and, and adapt it to their needs. And so it's, it's been cool to see them go through that. And, and furthermore, this program differs from other life-changing services programs in that I feel like it's almost more so self-driven than any of the others. You can't show up to a group for two hours a week and just sit there and listen. If you just read my email to you, it would be fairly, it would not be very helpful. (laughs) It it is very much, they get what they put out. They get out of it what they put into it. And so if they're not answering all the questions, which I have guys sometimes who are really busy and don't prioritize this. And so they answer one or two questions and that's what they they do for that week, you're, you, they don't get very much out of it. It is definitely a program that requires them to put a little bit of effort. I mean, it's not a ton of time, like Morgan said, 15 to 20 minutes, but if you're not putting in that effort, it's not going to do you a whole lot of good. Mm-hmm. And when you are teaching them the thing about your drills, is it like, hey, here's me on a video? Or is it like, no, I'm just typing this all out for you? I just type it all out. I should put it on a video. That's a good idea. Maybe I should. <laughs> video myself more. I don't know if some mission requirements would, would block sending videos through attachments to their email, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it's a good idea. Something to explore possibly. All right. Yeah. So one of the things that I would wonder as I'm listening to this is, so if my son or daughter is in Sisters of Promise or, you know, Sons of Messiah, am I going to know about it? or? Like, you know, because they're li- legally, I don't have to know about all that stuff, right? But I want to know about all that stuff. So how does that work? That's a great question. And I think 
it, it will probably differ from missionary to missionary. If you have a son or a daughter who is in a program previous to their mission and they decide that they want to continue with the support, I think it's between the missionary and the parent if there's that communication. However, for example, a current sister missionary that I'm working with was not part of a program previously, and her mom is actually the one who discovered Sisters of Promise. And so her mom and the sister missionary and I, we had a lot of communication as we were getting her signed up and kind of giving her an orientation and overview of what the program looked like. Her mom was very much involved in the process. So we are open and we like to be transparent with parents as much as we can. Obviously, we're not going to turn around and share with the parent all of the struggles that the missionary is having or anything like that. But as far as communication goes, if there's open communication with the missionary and the parent, we are more than happy to be involved and to be transparent and clear about what's going on as long as the missionary and the parent, I think, kind of have to open up that line of communication. First. So good. That's good to know. And yeah, you know, I'm just thinking parents have to grow up too you know it's hard it's hard when you're you put a lot of banking into woo they're finally there on a mission right or woo we we were hoping they'd do that and now they're there yeah there's a lot of just allowing that to really be owned and you know just all their effort and let that growth and that experience and that confidence in knowing how to swing their own sword, hold their own shield, and, you know, clean their own weapons, right? Like, got to figure this out. So it's really cool that they have that opportunity there on the mission field to continue watching themselves and meeting themselves in a whole new place, right? As well as being supported, you know, in places where, yeah, they just need some accountability. They just need the remembrance of, yeah, the battle's real. And this is all about repentance. It's exactly what you're teaching on your mission. You're just doing so, yeah. So just kind of, is there anything else you guys want to say? Because something I'd love you to do, both of you, is can you give us just something more personal, a personal experience you've had or something you've seen where this missionary, this, you know, the sister or the elder, anyway, just something more personal, like here's what happened. This is what we did. And that's what that looked like. Do you know what I mean? So, and anything else you want to say, but I would do want to kind of end with that. Sure. Do you want me to go first? I had a missionary recently who was behaving much like a whale is a term we use in, in addiction recovery, where they will surface and then something will happen. They'll have a lost battle and then they'll dive way down deep and you won't see them for a while. And then they'll come back and all of a sudden they'll, they'll, they'll be there again. So I had an elder who was doing okay, but he was struggling. And then all of a sudden, I think it was maybe three or four weeks, I just didn't hear from him. And after the second week, I sent him an email and said, man, Elder, I, I'm, we miss you in group. Come back. And still nothing. And then the next week, he finally came back. And he was, he was broken quite a bit. He'd had a rough month, but he was determined to get back on the horse and fight and work through it. And, and then the next week, 
to see him really put all his effort into not just winning his battles, but into the positive things that he was doing that week into his manpower. Something that I not, it's not exclusive to my sons of Mosiah guys, but something that I focus on a lot with my, with my personal warrior clients and uh, with my men and Rona guys is that the manpower number matters a lot more than the sobriety number because the manpower represents what we are doing every day. Whereas the sobriety number just represents what we're not doing every day. And, and our actions are much more valuable than our inaction. And so this elder took that to heart and he really just went to town on his manpower and to see him find joy and satisfaction in missionary work in just the recent weeks that I've been working with him has been so rewarding, but it's simply because of less because of his negative actions and much more because of his positive actions. He still has had a lost battle here and there, but it hasn't gotten him down. It hasn't, he hasn't dove down deep to the bottom of the ocean again, because he is in the fight every day, doing his goals, focusing on his border patrol. So it's been, it's been really awesome to see that. Ah, oh, that gives so much confidence if you know. Yeah. The action is so real. I love the way you said that. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that around here. That was so awesome. I guarantee I stole it from someone else. I guarantee that. Well, I, I have very few original ideas. Yeah. <laughs> I just think you should say it again. It was so good. Oh, just that that the that our actions are far more valuable than our inaction. And the power behind just putting in the effort to do the actions, even if you've lost a battle, right? Because if the focus is on the inaction, then when you lose a battle, oh my gosh, the enemy has so much more power to come in and say, you're pathetic, right? Yeah. You're yeah. pathetic, right? But if you're focused on the action and realizing that, yeah, this is way more important than the inaction, then you become one of the things that I realized with watching my son as we were actually having this conversation, I said, you know what? It's almost like you have to learn how to be a really good loser before you can become a really good winner, right? You have to learn that I'm a pretty good loser, right? I, if I lose a battle, I don't focus on that as much as I focus on the, I, you know, I'm going to get back up and get in the game. I'm going to stay in the fight. And I think, yeah, what you just said keeps them in the fight. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. It's it's something I'm really passionate about. I've had a recent night in one of my men and Moroni groups where I was borderline yelling at my guys. And I was I was I was feeling the warrior chemistry. But I was like, we, you know, manpower is the direct representation of your effort. And I do not care if next week you show up to group with your first number at zero, but do not let the second number be zero. Show me that you are in this. Even if you're losing, show me that you're putting the effort forth. Show your wives that you're putting your effort for the, the effort forward. Show your mission presidents that you're putting that effort forward. I recently just had back surgery. And so I told all my guys on Sons of Mosiah and my personal warrior trainers and my and my Metamorona guys, I said, look, I'm about to have back surgery. I'm going to be in the hospital for several days. I'm going to be on all sorts of medicine. <laughs> and I'm committing to you to do my manpower. I'm going to still do my manpower. It's going to be like the hardest thing ever, but I'm going to get it done. So don't let the guy who just had back surgery get perfect manpower this week. When, <laughs> when you, 
and, and you not get perfect band power. And then maybe that's a little in your face and that's kind of my style, but it was great. Everybody did really well that week and they took my challenge and they had great manpower and it was really awesome to see everybody do that. But it's a game changer. Those things that we do every day, it is a, it's, it absolutely changes. It changes you. Yeah. Thanks for that. So awesome. Morgan. I have a similar experience. However, I think it comes from a, a different place, from a very feminine place. Probably a little less shouting and screaming, probably a little less intense, but I think the principle is still the same. I had a sister missionary that I was working with during our orientation call share with me some of her struggles and things that she's been experiencing, some behaviors that she had mastered before her mission that have resurfaced. And as she was sharing them with me, I could just see the shame that she was feeling, that she felt like so terrible about herself. And I could see just from the ways that she was sharing that Satan, more than just tempting her with these behaviors, was trying to get at who she was. And it was, for me, I think tears were shed on both sides as we're, her and I were having this conversation. And it has been really powerful like Dallin said, not to focus on what you're not doing, but to focus on what you are doing with this sister. I've really emphasized, sister, it's okay that you're not perfect, but look at these things that you are doing and the way that you are responding to these behaviors and the things that are slowly starting to change for you with this sister in particular. I have highlighted that the goal is not to be perfect right now, but it's to show up every single day. And it's really neat to see this process of shame transform, that she doesn't have to feel like a dirt bag because of the things that she's being tempted with and these behaviors that are resurfacing for her, but she can feel empowered to know, I have the capability to overpower this struggle. And I'm going to beat Satan every single time because I have a body and I can use my body to do my goals and to make changes for myself. And it's really transformative to see the shame wash away first and then the behavior wash away second. That once she's at a place where I can feel good about myself and know that I'm a daughter of God and that I am a worthy servant of him and I am a diligent missionary to then see her take control and say, okay, I can master this because I'm in a in a place where I know my worth and I know my true identity. And so I think the battle is very similar between sisters and elders and men and women, but there is different focuses. Like Dallin needs the, the fiery furnace, the let me get in your face. And the sister missionary needed love and acknowledgement and acceptance with who you are and where you're at right now. And so it's been really powerful to work with her and just help her love herself and then see her master the, the behaviors that she's working through. So it's very powerful. And if, if a sister needs the red in the face, the let me type in all caps at you, I can give that too. <laughs> but I think it's really awesome to be able to share just the love and the grace and the acceptance that we love you where you're at and let's help you get to where you're wanting to be. Yeah, so good. Well, that's like the push and the pull energy of warrior chemistry, isn't it? So cool. It's like you both said, well, we use warrior chemistry, hmm. right? So awesome. I'm so glad that we added that to our eternal warriors principles that 
there's not just this push energy of weird chemistry. All of us women were like, this is kind of hard to figure out, right? But as soon as we put that, no, there's this soft energy. It's a connection energy, you know, it comes from a deep place of, you know, just that same righteous anger, but it's this, I love you and I'm, I can see you kind of a thing. But Dallin, yours was saying the same thing. I love you guys. I can see you, right? Are you hearing me? But they needed to hear it in a more of a push energy. Yeah. Something along the lines of what Morgan was saying is that the really difficult part of our job, and I think all of us hopefully will agree on this, is that you can tell people some of these fundamental truths about their identity and you can lay it plainly out in front of them. And it just doesn't do it sometimes. Often it's not sufficient to give them the truth. And instead, they have to find it on their own. And much of what we do is, is giving them the tools to find those truths and to dispel the shame on their own. And again, I, I, I sound like a broken record, but again, going back to manpower, like I, I too have guys who are just, just filled with shame sometimes. And instead of me, going through their lost battle analysis and saying, man, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. You are a son of God. You are a great missionary. You can do this. I don't do any of that. I just ask, I say, these are the lies that I've picked out. Can you give me three truths for each lie? Can you flip them? Can you tell me what's, what's really true? And then can you act on that truth? And I've seen when the guys really do that, when they live in truth, when they pull it out themselves, it's so much more effective. Right. Morgan was saying this, this shame needs to be dispelled for those negative behaviors to go away. But the way that that shame is dispelled is not through someone else telling you differently. It's through you acting differently in a positive way. And that positive action often connects you with sources of truth, like the spirit, like Heavenly Father, like Jesus Christ, and in mediums like prayer and journaling and scripture study. Those are the sources of truth that really can dispel that shame. Mm, so good there's so many more questions i have for you we could make this a two-part episode for serious yeah because i'm thinking well tell me the questions you ask them every week right i'm also thinking well how about if you yeah tell me the questions you ask them every week what was the other thing i was going to ask you i lost it i lost it the questions you ask them every week tell me the yeah, how long does someone stay in these programs? Do they just get out when they feel like, I'm good? Or do they stay in there the whole time? How long has the Sisters of Promise been going? Thank you for being with us today, Warrior Moms. I invite you to make a donation at the top of our website, mothersyouknow.org. Any amount you can afford today will help us keep Mothers Who Know services free for all moms. Thank you so much for your generosity. Moms, remember your divine identity and great worth. Continue in your courageous efforts to support God's great work. Notice the miracles you see every day, the evidence of the Savior's love and mercy. Find the message in your message. Reach out and share the principles you learn in Mothers You Know with other mothers. You are God's secret weapon for good in this world. Finally, a few pieces of information for you. I recommend a few other podcast channels to listen to. Like Dragons Do They Fight podcast, that includes interviews and stories with those that have struggled and overcome something in their life. And 
the Eternal Warriors podcast, hosted by two YSA-age young men who share their story, teach valuable lessons, and interview special guests. You can follow us on our social media pages on Facebook under MothersWhoKnow.lcs or search for Mothers Who Know, and on Instagram, username at Mothers underscore Who Know. Last, if you would like additional support and training, please go to mompowertraining.com to sign up for the next eight-week Mom Power Training class for all moms. You can also go to the Mothers Who Know website at motherswhoknow.org or our parent company, Life Changing Services, at lifechangingservices.org to learn more about our excellent services to support you and your loved ones. Thank you so much for listening today. Please feel free to email me anytime with questions or to set up a complimentary 30-minute appointment to visit. Please email me at motherswhoknow at lifechangingservices.org. Looking forward to hearing from you amazing moms. See you next time.